You are listening to Real Men Feel with Andy Grant. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having, but all men can benefit from. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant. Ah, We are, I don't know, slowly but surely. I don't know about that, true, but we're making our way through the pandemic and through life itself. And as part of this show and everything that I've shared on social media, I've been inviting everyone to take this time because this is time. Most people have been given this gift of time that they haven't had before and take it as an opportunity to go within, to do some soul searching, to find out what what you really miss, what you don't want to go back to, right? Don't just be one of those people that I can't wait, get, wait, I can't wait to get back to normal if you didn't even like what normal was, if normal didn't feel good, right? So I hope you're taking the time to do a little inward journeying. And, and that's really what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm really excited about the conversation today. Um, my guest today is the soul guide, author, healer, and podcaster, Kerry Hummingbird. Kerry inspires people to lead their lives wide awake with an authenticity, passion, and purpose that positively impacts others. She is the best-selling author of The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama, and Awakening to Me, One Woman's Journey to Self-Love. She is the founder of the Skills Not Pills movement and host of the Soul Nectar Show, which I recently had the pleasure to be on. So, Kerry, it's great to welcome you, and so I welcome you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on the show. It's great to be here with you. I loved our conversation last time. Yeah, and, and so I always talk with people before being a guest. So we had a, a pretty good long conversation initially, and then it was on your show. So yeah, I feel like I've talked to you like four or five times and like, <laughs> what am I saying this time? What's going on? Maybe that's why I kept spitting out the introduction so bad. <laughs> what are we going to talk about today? Well, you know, ideally it was to, to go talk about that, that journey within, that, that spiritual path, that awakening, that work that you do. And I know that you've, you've, you've lived it, and then you help others get to it. So, you know, maybe we should start at the beginning and like what got, what got you first interested in personal growth and development and spirituality and realizing we're more than just this, this bag of bones? You know, it's so funny because I've actually, I feel like I've been on this self growth uh, journey since, uh, gosh, early on, really early. I mean, I went to my first psych, uh, child psychologist at two, so... <laughs> I had some childhood trauma from like zero to five and I was biting my arms and like leaving these red welting marks on my arms because there was a lot of chaos in my mother's life and, and, and the fathers that I had that she introduced me to the things that were going on in my early life were very traumatic. And so, um, that was my first, I was in child psychology early and then, um, you know, and, and, my teenage years uh, got chaotic, as they do for all of us, right? We all have chaos in our teens. And, uh, and then I started going to a child uh, psychiatrist because of the trauma that I was self-inflicting harm on myself. So um, much like you were talking about, I wanted to commit suicide. You know, I, I relate to you on that part of your journey. Um, my suicidal ideation began um, in my teenage years. So I started with a psychiatrist. And at that point, they didn't do drugs and all that because I'm 50 almost 51 now. So that drug psychiatrist, um, you know, correlation didn't start until sometime after I started seeing one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I think I've been on this exploration most of my life, but I would say that the journey really took a big shift when I 
gave up on the Western medical model and I said, you know what, this model doesn't work for me. There's something else because all it's doing is making me feel like there's something wrong with me or I'm bad or I need to be fixed. It's not like helping me come to wholeness or like want to be here. So I, something else needs to happen. Um, and that was really the beginning of my journey. I, um, I had been labeled and diagnosed like from 14 and then I got a really a label that I didn't like at all from, you know, my psychologist, uh, that it was borderline personality disorder. This is a pretty tough one, you know? I mean, at the time on Wikipedia, it was like, the example was, you know, Glenn Close boiling rabbits, like, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> that's no yeah, bueno. I've had that one myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, that's the one thing that turned me up every, every label was every, every time I ended up hospitalized after a suicide attempt, I had a different label. They never, they never match. Like no one could agree, but that was, that was one of my stopping points too, borderline. Yeah. And the Wikipedia, I don't know if you ever looked it up on Wikipedia. I looked it up like this was back. The definition of course has changed because we're so much more conscious and loving now. But you know, back when I got mine, it was like what, 10 years ago, the description on Wikipedia was horrid. It was just like, wow, I'm a terrible human being. So um, at that point I was like, why do I even try? You know, I've been at this for decades. It's, and it just keeps, the diagnoses just keep getting worse. The suicidal ideation has not stopped. I still don't want to be here. You know? And it's uncomfortable and it's painful. I'm drinking a bottle of wine a night, you know, like I'm just on with my meds, you know, of course, because how can you cope with the meds if you don't have the wine and vice versa? So it was just a concoction. And at some point, it's just like, I hit my own personal rock bottom. You know, I was in a marriage that was devolving. I was cheating on my husband. I was drinking copious amounts of alcohol. I was still going to psychotherapy, getting absolutely no regard. I, my tensions with my family were growing because they're like watching me just like, just destroy my life. And, you know, I couldn't go any further with that. So I dropped everything. I just dropped it all. I said, well, that's the end of the rope. So I left the marriage and I stopped psychotherapy and I just said, well, I'll just be bad. That's my new solution. I will just be bad and stop trying to be good because trying to be good hasn't worked, you know, like it not obviously. So I stopped for a while. And then what a really interesting thing happened is I got on another track. So I got out of the Western medical complex track. And I got into the spiritual track and then things started to change rapidly because number one, I was ready to change key ingredient, you know, number two, I was open to any modality, any way, any path, anything that would bring me to a new place. That, those two things, the curiosity and the willingness were oh, started to open doors for me on my journey. And it's not to say that other people couldn't find that same willingness and an opening and, and benefit from Western medical. It just wasn't my journey. So, um, yeah, so that really opened the doors and I started studying and shamanism and I got my first spiritual healing, which, you know, I never had one of those before. I don't know if anybody in the audience, like, I, that's a new thing for people. Um, it was a new thing for me. I was like, I don't even know what to expect. It was powerful, though. When, when you were younger and 
I mean, at age two, it's hard to decide, yes, I want some help. But were, were you were you open to the help being offered? Did it just feel wrong? Were you were you talking in therapy? How how was that experience? Oh, I was highly engaged. Okay. I was highly engaged in the therapy. I was listening to what they were saying. I was like like a like a A student, you know, like taking notes, you know, like okay, like like I'm gonna fix me and you know. But here's the thing is that this concept that there's something broken or wrong with you. That is the kernel that I find is questionable in the Western medical model. The idea that the problem is a problem is questionable. And then, and then the sort of like arcane tools for dealing with it is also a problem, as you know. Like, you know, slap a pill on it, you know, when the pill, what does the pill make you do? Stop feeling or stop being aware of the feelings is really more accurate. It's like it stops you from being connected to your body and connected to your feelings, which are really your primary modes of navigating life when you're on the spiritual path. You, the realization is, oh, my emotions and my body and my sensations are navigating me toward the solution for whatever it is that I'm experiencing or, or the new deeper level of understanding about myself. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so I find too, like in this day and age and when we were growing up, human beings are like so uncomfortable with uncomfortable emotions that we try to medicate them away as opposed to find out, well, what's the root? Where, where are these coming from? What's, what's causing me to not enjoy myself or to think there's something wrong with me or you know, whatever it may be. Um, but we, we're, we're, the medical model is covered up. Just, just bury every symptom so that you can continue being the automaton you were raised to be, whatever, whatever it might be. But I did, that's what I wanted to drill down to, but you know, your willingness, your curiosity, was it around in the Western model as well? It just, those things weren't helping. Like were you willing to do people, you sound like you did lots of different things. So you were open to suggestion at least. I was open to suggestion, but you know, at a certain point, the model, you know, I feel like if you're, if you, if you're using modality and you're not shifting, then you need to change modalities. Mm-hmm. You know, and the problem I think I experienced was that I stayed in a modality and that was not progressing me. Okay. So, and this is part of the illusion of self-help okay? <laughs> because uh, what I realized is, is that um, as a person who's seeing that there's maybe a lack of acceptance or some lack, you know, some feeling of lack that I want to overcome by seeking help. Okay then I'm going to be selecting the type of help or the professional to help me that is in alignment with the degree to willingness I have to change. So if my degree to willingness to change is very tiny, then I'm going to self-select a therapist or, or a support structure that, that sort of just lets me be whatever it is and doesn't challenge it at all. And just sort of like lets me drone on and on and on and pay my weekly session fees and just kind of keep going in the track I'm going without any disruption at all, right? Just like keep going where you're going. I chose, I self-selected therapists that I could tell myself, look, I'm working on myself. I go every single week. But I self-selected a therapist for like the last 10 years of my work uh, in psychotherapy where all she did was take notes the entire time that I was in the session. She just took notes. She didn't try to disrupt anything that I was doing. And I was doing some crazy stuff and she'd just take notes about it. That was it. 
So when I walked out of that model, I was like, this doesn't work. Okay, nothing's shifting. I'm stuck in myself. I'm stuck in these self-defeating patterns. I know they're hurting me. I know they're hurting my kids. I know they're hurting my partner. I can't, you know, he's hurting me. I know, like, so we're hurting each other. I can't be in this relationship anymore. And I need to get out of the whole thing just to clarify. Like, I need to get my own space. Like, I just need to be inside my space to figure it out, right? Like, get all of the distractions out and just focus on the one thing, which is me, to get it sorted, you know? So that's what I did. I got, I got everybody. I felt instantly better. The first night I was in my new place and I was in my bath with a bubble bath and my glass of wine and my candlelight. And I felt like I was on vacation because I was not in the dynamic that had been created over 20 years of looking for a problem, thinking there's something wrong with you. And, and having somebody, my partner say, yeah, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. It's all your fault. I'm not doing it. You're the problem. Look at you. You're the one who's acting crazy. Yeah. So you're surrounded by people reinforcing the model that has been failing you for years. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened was, um, I, I started branching out because my, my original plan was to just be bad and then meet Mr. Right. You know, like Knight in Shining Armor will just come and rescue me and I'll have like the perfect life because obviously that dude sucked and there's nothing wrong with me and I'm just going to be me now. That didn't last because it's not true. And what happened was I, I went, I branched out. I tried new things. I got outside my comfort zone. I, I started hanging out with a woman. My mom said, hey, you should hang out with Gina because she's been divorced for 10 years. And I hated that. I didn't want to hang out with somebody who'd been divorced for 10 years. But I leaned into it. I was like, okay, I don't want to take advice from my mom. And I don't want to hang out with somebody who's been divorced for 10 years, but I'll say yes. So I leaned in. I said, yes. I hung out with her. She taught me some cool stuff. She brought me to yoga classes, never been to yoga. I said, okay, I'll do yoga. Then I met with this uh, yogi who is one of the teachers. And I liked him because he did his classes to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I can hang with that. You know, I'm being bad. And I like Led Zeppelin. And I like this teacher. So I asked him, hey, do you, you know, would you be my mentor? So he met with me and he said, yeah. And I thought I was going to be going into the same paradigm. Like I thought I was going to go in like the psychotherapy. I'm going to go in. I'm going to lay out all the reasons why I'm a victim and all this stuff just happens to me and, and I like complaining because somebody's not doing what I want and and he went, you're doing that to you. First session, I was floored. My jaw was like, what are you saying? I'm doing this to me. <laughs> what are you talking about? But I knew he was right. Like just the clarity of truth that he spoke from to disrupt my pattern, it disrupted it. And all of a sudden, like after the shock wore off, I looked at him and I said, you know, I know you're right. What can I do about this? Because this has been going on for decades. So he started to help me break my own conditioning, Hmm. you know, and then I had the spiritual healing which was like another modality I, I tried out. Cause I was like, well, I'll try anything, you know, cause now I realize I'm the problem. <laughs> like the way I've been thinking about me is the problem. The way I've been processing me, my stories I tell there, that was the problem. And so you realize you're the problem, but not that there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. It's how I'm dealing with it. It's yeah. like how I'm processing it. Thank you for clarifying that. It's like, it's me doing me in a way that's not serving me, that's the issue. It, it's like, if I could just 
learn a different way of being with me, then things could be a whole different, a whole different experience. I could be excited by it. It could could be the same exact conditions and I could be like, this is great. So I, I started opening to realize that through working with him. And then I had this spiritual healing and it was profound because one of the things it really did is it, it, it also, it jarred me out of, of, of an idea that I had. I had this idea that I was this one thing, like this one organism, like just one solid thing. And in the healing, he took energy out of me. And I could feel him take the energy out and flick it and put it in a burning sage dish. And my mind was blown. I was like, what are you talking about? That means I'm not just one thing. I'm a bunch of stuff. And you could take some of it out and you can't even see it, but you could feel it. Like you could feel that stuff leaving. And it wasn't temporarily gone. It was gone for good. Like I've never had those. He, he took out this energy around my heart that was really like black and stuck and it would cramp around my heart when someone looked at me funny or didn't like me. I know now that he took out shame that was around my heart that didn't belong to me. He took it out. It was my mom's shame from an early incident in my childhood trauma. And I took it on trying to help because little kids love to help. You know? And it wasn't my energy. So I could never process this energy because it didn't belong to me. But I took it. So he took it out of me and put it in that burning dish. And I never felt that feeling again since. I have never felt it. It's gone permanently, which is a really radically different experience than I had with psychotherapy, where I could go to the session and I could get some relief by talking about the stuff that was going on. But the aching feeling never went away. It was like right back. Like I would feel like I made progress and then I'm right back in the problem. Yeah. It's kind of like you, you keep kicking the symptoms and signs of a problem around and around and around playing with them. But then when you got the the energy work really like, you know, that, that's opened my eyes too. Like you can really, you change your energy, you change your life. And we've talked previously, like we were both really empathic kids and like, and I didn't know that wasn't a word I knew as a kid, but yeah, I like, I was picking up and you to try to be someone's friend. You'd hold on to their bad shitty feelings for a while, not knowing it. And you hold on to your mom's pain because you want to support your mom and all these things that build up over time. But yeah, the, the your local doctor doesn't know about this. <laughs> or if, if yeah. they do, they keep it to themselves. I don't know. They're keeping it to themselves if they know about it. But I, I think it's just so amazing to me that ever since that realization, and I would say that began my path of realization, it was like, whoa, I just realized I'm not one thing. Oh, I just realized that, you know, these challenges that we, we face in modalities like psychotherapy and you feel like you're banging your head up against the wall and you just can't solve this thing and you're stuck, that if you remove some energy around, you would understand it. Yeah. Like all of a sudden there'd be an opening to understand that thing. It was like, wow. So like if I take some energy out that's related to that thing, all of a sudden I can make some progress on this thing I'm trying to understand about myself. You're kidding, right? No, that is exactly what I've learned. So it's been, it's been fascinating, um, this journey, this new journey. And the thing I love about it is that it's as much as I'm talking about it and as much as I know you talk about it, it's still intangible, ephemeral, and beyond comprehension of the human mind. Yeah. Yeah. I always, whenever <laughs> I'm trying to explain it, it's energy work is much better experienced than explained. Yes. Yeah, we could talk about it for six hours. Still, someone at home, like, I don't get it. Like, you, it, you have to have experience. You have to have that jaw drop. You have to like, oh, my God, I feel different. What, what was this? 
and and that's you know wakes you up and realizes that you you're not just chemicals you're not just this random you know science experiment <laughs> you know <laughs> your energy and it moves and it's alive and it, it you can have energy that's not yours or energy that doesn't serve you anymore it's like outgrown energy and you, we 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 have an energy body in addition to every other aspect of ourselves but until you have an experience of it good experience i think so many people experience it the negative effect of it and don't know what it is you know, that, that weight, the shame around your heart, right? Not wanting to be seen, not knowing you're supposed to do something, but afraid to ever even ask what that might be. So we're, people are used to the negative or the downside of, of being an energy body, but um, there's so, it's, it's so much more to the upside once you do realize and have that experience. So, And that's what people are saying when they say, wake up. That's what they mean. They mean wake up to the realization that you're not just a physical body. Wake up to the realization that, you know, God's source, creator spirit is not out there. It's permeating everything. Wake up to the realization that, that through your energy, that you are energy. And through that energy, you have access to everything that is like you're in connection with all the plants, all the animals, all the oceans, all the fire, all the, everything is you're it. Like, it's like this, and it's a dawning realization. Because if you came to that realization all at once, it would be so shocking that you know it, you, you you'd want to go into a mental assignment asylum. I think that's why people are in mental asylum sometimes. Is because they wake up so quick that it's shocking to their system. Like they can't receive that much information. It's too quick. So I like gradual. You know, I prefer the gradual, like personal practice path of like awakening, as I know you do because you teach these mystery school teachings. It's like this is the way for a gradual, grounded, earth embodied awakening experience that doesn't jar you to the point where you know you need to like be in a put in a straitjacket. You know, because right. like, we're still here. We're, we're human <laughs> yeah. beings. We're we're in physical form. So I know when I first really discovered things, like I would meditate for six, maybe up even I think six, maybe even eight hours a day, just because I just want to be energy. I just want to be spirit. I'm done. Like oh, I found I'm it. I'm not this just physical this. Thing. Yeah. Can I just check out now that I've learned this lesson? Like, <laughs> am I done? <laughs> I can be done with this body. Yeah. Yeah. No, so but then important. the next level begins because once you, it's like a process, you've got to go through the process, right? You've got to go through the process of first thinking of total amnesia and thinking all you are is this body, you know? And then you're like, this sucks. It's heavy. It's dense. It's yucky. It's like so personal. Everything is personal. It's painful. And it's this terrible thing, you know, but wonderful too. And it's good, you know? So it's like that really intense thing of being physical, and then you awaken, you have the realization of like, oh, wow, I'm like energy and physical. Like, so I have a place to escape this physical thing. You know? <laughs> so, so then you go into the process of spiritual bypassing, right? You go into that place of like, I'm going to go to the big spirit stuff because it feels better out there than in here. I like it. I like that expansive space. And so a lot of people meditate for hours. Like you said, they go to the mountaintop. They like go on retreats. They go, you know, just to get anything to get samadhi, you know, anything to get samadhi and just get the hell out of here. Like this body sucks. Then you come inside the body is the ultimate spiritual divine experience is the embodiment of your spirituality in your, that your physical vessel is your temple. It's your temple within which the choirs sing and the stained glass shines. This is the ultimate divine experience. This physical embodiment with the absolute knowing of your divinity in every cell, like every single cell of your being is the all seeing eye. 
it's like you are that. And then your whole life becomes this sort of amazing discovery process of what more can I create as the creator itself embodied in my being as part of all that is. So it's, it's, a, it's a very delicate process to get through all these steps because there's some very personal stuff that needs to be released in order, released and then re-embodied in a new way, renown, released and renown, right? So like all your history up until now isn't thrown out like trash. It's not like discarded. It is at first because you're like, get that thing off me. I don't want to be that anymore. <laughs> but then through the process of self-discovery and self-love, you go back and you reclaim all of yourself. And you say, oh, wait a second. That made me who I am. That made me who this vessel is. This is divine. It was perfectly imperfect. I reclaim it all. I take it all back. I say, yes, this is me. I love every bit of it. And one by one, you reclaim everything, even all the traumatized pieces that you ever were. It's like calling it home and saying, I love you. Thank you. This has been a beautiful experience. So all of that takes time and processing and effort. <laughs> so it does all take time and effort. Is, is, there, is there one particular modality that you have found that works the best or is it different for everybody or is it going to be something that people do discover? Is it the right situation, the right person? Like how, how does it all come together? Well, I, you know, what I found on my journey is, first of all, it's self-guided. So it's your journey and your journey is not like anybody else's. So, um, and it's an evolving journey. So, you know, as you keep evolving, you'll need new things like new mentors, you know? So I think it's helpful to have mentors because it's, you know, you can get lost a little in the woods of the egoic consciousness. It's very slippery and tricky and it's got lots of little doors and hatches and it's all designed to protect you, you know, so it's not a bad thing. It's, it's, to, it's designed to protect you from yourself, really. <laughs> so in order to get free of that and really embody all this consciousness I'm talking about, these, you know, these different realizations, you've got to be able to um, navigate your journey for yourself while bringing to yourself all the resources that would be pertinent for you in the moment to get to the next realization along the path. And I do believe there's a series of, rev of revelations that we each um, receive in a unique way that lead us on a very similar path. I think it's a very similar path that we go on, but the uniqueness of the path is what's cool, you know? So everybody has a unique experience of the revelation as it arises. So yeah, it's... Yeah, because like, in in a in the biggest respect, we're all learning the same thing, but it's all going to be experienced different ways, and there are different blocks into realizing that the truth of of who and what we are, and that we're all connected, and we're not just this uh, we're not broken, right? We're not hmm. broken. We're perfectly imperfect. So it's like the there's always these paradoxes, and so the spiritual journey, I think, is being able to embrace the paradoxes as equally valid, both sides of the paradox, simultaneously valid, and to be okay with, with that, that you, your mind can't process it. Being okay with the fact that your mind's like, I don't get that. It's all right. Your mind doesn't have to get it. It's all true at the same time. Just like all things in time are happening now. And so that can get confusing as you open on your spiritual path, because as you open on your spiritual path, you have realization that you, this isn't your only time in the rodeo, like you have realization you had other lifetimes. And then as you open to the realization you had other lifetimes, 
those realizations come to you now and they feel very personal and very saturated and very like, oh, wow, ouch. You know, I really feel that lifetime because it's all happening now. It's just the awareness and the realization of it is your perception of it and your perception of it leads to, you know, your experience of it. So your, your most recent book is The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama. So is what we've been talking about so far, is that all the human drama? Yeah, it's kind of like the human drama when you're in stage one of amnesia and inside your body is the, is the level at which you're, you know, sort of arguing with your reality and, and you know, um, being immersed by all the feelings and then wanting to like project it or, or take it out on somebody else, you know, like because it, it's happening to you and you're angry about it or whatever, right? So we have all these kind of wars and all this stuff happening because we're operating at a level of consciousness that doesn't understand who we really are. Now, when we go into the next level of consciousness, a lot of, a lot of um, healers and, and people are trying to spiritual bypass it. Like, oh, everything's just fine, you know, and like they'll totally disconnect from like what's happening because it's all just this big picture and we can just totally bypass it because it feels better out there anyway and we'll just ignore the fact that we're in a human body right now experiencing this. Oh, I'll have another lifetime, you know, kind of thing. Like it's not that big a deal. And I catch myself saying things like that all the time. Then the next part is to be embodied. And that's the, that's the fusion of the two is to say, I am a vulnerable human being and I am a divine essence that is eternal. I am both. And in this tender, vulnerable human experience I'm having now, I, as I relate with my heart with other people and as this consciousness raises to where we all get to this awareness, what happens now is a vulnerable exchange of humanity you know, between different agents of humanity, like, like Andy to Carrie and, and Carrie to, you know, my partner. And it's like, we are able to, to share with sort of a sense of awe, this human diversity and human experience without needing to control it or shame it or say it's wrong or blame it, which means that we don't need to create wars over it anymore. You know, we don't need to punish each other over it. Yeah, that would be great. So we're still having the human drama, but we transcended it. It's not, yeah, it's, it's not a soap opera drama. It's just, it's just the experience and we're realizing we're having an experience and it doesn't trigger us and cause us to, to fight back and react to each other like we, we, like we have. Or like if it does cause a trigger, like the emotion arises and you just look at the person in front of you and go, wow, I'm feeling so much stuff about this right now. And then you can have a conversation about, I'm feeling this and I'm feeling that. And the other person can say, oh, I really witnessed you feeling this and that and I'm feeling this. And it's more about the discovery of it. Hmm. Then about like the, you're responsible for me feeling, you know, feeling this way kind of thing. Yeah, right. So yeah, if every human being is so in the moment that, right, we're never fighting a war because, well, that's, that's past. That's another moment. Like we're right here now and I'm feeling you're upset or I'm feeling you're scared or whatever it is instead of hiding it, denying it, and then Denying it. it. Yeah. That's exactly the word. So in my, I've been looking at my gene keys lately. So it's another modality for understanding yourself. And I'm just learning this modality. So I'm not an expert in it. But um, genekeys.com is this teaching and I love it. Um, I looked at my chart and they actually, the, the um, person who runs this made little audio clips of um, my key points on my chart. And one of mine has to do with opinion. <laughs> opinion and denial. So it's so interesting because on our planet, 
one of the questions I had since I came here, and of course I have it because it's in my chart, you know, this, this nagging thing that I just keep looking at, that I just keep hooking my attention, is how can people be so mean to each other? Like, what's the matter with people? Like, why do they do these things? And how can they hurt somebody that way? And how can you like murder somebody? Or how can you rape somebody? How could you even just like pinch somebody? Like, how could you do any of those things? Like, what is wrong with people? And that's been my inquiry, like, since I showed up with all this argument in my early life, like, how do people hurt each other? And it's through denial. It's, there's a part of the human psychology that denies the hurtful thing. It denies that the person's an agent of hurt. And that denial is what allows people to keep doing it. Because they're not feeling it. They're not, they're not, allowing themselves to realize that they're hurting themselves because we're all one we're all connected yeah so the more the separation and the creating of tribes and, and different every difference every difference we try to make between us and humans is giving us more ability to deny we're the same or that we're connected in any way yes it's it's creating a situation that says well you can't possibly understand me well and you're right, in this state of consciousness that you're choosing to embody, where you, you know, you're in your egoic self, sure, there's denial of the divine. There's denial of who you really are. There's denial of, of basic humanity at that point from that level of consciousness. But on the other side, if you keep ascending and growing and, and evolving and having realizations and opening past this just third dimensional existence and then re-embody, what happens is omnipotence. The realization of omnipotence. So from omnipotence, you're connected with all that is and you know you are and everybody else that's connected with omnipotence also knows. So there's no hiding anything. There's no denying anything anymore because the truth is known. There is no lying anymore because the truth is self-evident. Everyone's connected to it. There's no more need for that. So denial only lives in a state of consciousness of polarity and opinion and division and judgment. That's so the only the, place it lives. Is the second wave that you write about, is that a wave of more people, the collective consciousness of humanity rising above to like a second or another level? Yeah, it's actually referring to, yes, on many levels, it has, so what I'm getting right now is it has many different meanings. It has, you know, as many of these things do, they have like multiple reference points. So on the one reference point, it's, it's referring to volunteers to earth that came here from across the galaxy that have gone through this process in other places. Okay. So like other planets, other lifetimes, other places have already gone through this ascension process in other contexts and so have expertise on this and so came to the planet to assist the planet in as that ascension process and so many of us have had difficult experiences in our lives up till now so that we would have the embodiment of those challenging experiences be able to bring divinity to it and then speak from a divine place about those challenges rather than from a wounded place and so i believe that you're also one of these people so um the work on that if people are interested in finding out more about that would be dolores cannon um invented a process called qhht and that process is quantum hypnosis healing technique and in this process, she brings people in a deep state of hypnosis where um, she's communicating with their soul and asking questions. And during this, um, you know, uh, 
I don't know, interviews with thousands of people, she found a pattern of people saying, oh, I'm with the first wave. Oh, I'm with the second wave. And really just randomly saying this. So she started charting it and asking, you know, like, okay, are you from this first wave or the second wave? And so um, she compiled uh, this data and uh, she's, she's written a bunch of books. So anyway, that's something you could research if you're interested in it. But that, so there are volunteers of the planet and you kind of know who you are once you start hearing this. You're like, I think I'm part of that second wave thing. Cause you, if you are, you've been feeling the call to purpose for like the last couple of years, like the last two to three years, you've been feeling like this urgency, like, oh, I got to get some stuff. Like something has to happen now. Like I know it's important and I better get doing it. I don't know what it is. I got to figure that out, you know, so that's you if you've been feeling that way then also the next layer is yes it's a second coming right so this has been prophesied that there'd be a second coming of christ consciousness in one terminology but across the planet there's different terminologies being used so this terminology is really only you know um european or um north american centric this particular terminology because in other places in the planet different terminology is being used but this is a this is the great awakening this is this is the opportunity that many of us came to the planet to experience this this glorious experience of being able to um to, to bring our divinity into and, and, and our physicality into harmony. So one of the things I do is work with the Akashic records. And anytime someone has asked something about their experience, then it's all, it's like almost universal that you chose to be here at this time. Mm -hmm. And so that is, is every human that's alive right now, part of the second wave, or is this, is the second wave on top of choosing to be here to begin with? I think it's on top of, because I think that, um, there are, like I said, well, if you just look at a classroom, like look at any classroom, in the classroom there are students, and in the classroom there is usually at least a teacher, right? So the second wave you could think of as the messengers or the teachers, people who have, souls who have already gone through this process elsewhere, and then potentially in the student population would be um, souls who want to experience this for the first time or over a course of lifetimes, because they might not all get it this lifetime. All right. It's like, this is a complex thing to go through. So not everyone's going to like get it this one time, you know, like in your physical body right now, you might be able to get a portion of this teaching and understand it. And it might take you a couple more lifetimes to fully complete the process. Like it might not just happen right now in the next 10 years or so, you know, like it just might not happen, but there, this is an accelerated time. This is an accelerated opportunity. So souls that are looking, you know, have desired to accelerate their learning process or, or go through this unique experience. Yes, they all chose, everybody who's here right now chose to be here. Let's just say that. Okay. There's nobody here now that didn't choose to be here. Yeah, no one's here by mistake. Nobody's <laughs> here by force. That doesn't yeah. happen. This is a benevolent universe. You're okay. here by choice. So you're saying it's not going to happen overnight or even the next 10 years, but you also spoke of, of there's an urgency to, to wake up. So There is what, an urgency. What's the so, urgency? The urgent, the urgent feeling was to get to this place because 2020 is the, is a revealing year, as you've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so this began, so this is why I think astrology is a really helpful tool for navigating because um, the, it's written in the stars. Okay. So it's already written in the stars. It, it, the stars tell us everything that we're, it's already predestined, like what we're going to be experiencing now because time is all happening at now. So in essence, what's happening now has already happened. That's why people get deja vu. 
It's not, you know, so you can still make a different choice, but there's still, you know, there's still multiple concurrent realities happening that have already been predestined. It's all happening now. And then I think it's an organism that can actually, that can actually um, evolve still within that. So again, that gets very complex and I want to go down to how many, too many rabbit holes, but <laughs> let's bring it back in white eagle. Okay. Right back in. And when I say white eagle is because that's my guide that um, likes to talk about these things. So back into this conversation, um, 2020 is a pivotal point astrologically for the lessons we all agree to um, have together. And so like, I knew that 2020 was going to be a big year back when I was 15 because I had a premonition about it. So then when it happened, I was all excited leading up to this year because I had one idea about what Great Awakening meant. Like I was like, woohoo, we're going to be like free, like hippies, and we're going to be having fun and like doing plant medicine and it's going to be great, right? That's just like my idea that I had. And then it happened. And I knew all the systems were going to come crumbling down because I'd already heard that. So I knew that was true. But I didn't know how it was going to happen or what it would look. I had not even like contemplated what that meant. And now as we see it, it's like there's so much humanity in it. There's so much tenderness in it. There's so much vulnerability in it. There's so much beauty in it. And there's so much chaos in it. There's so much discord. There's just so much like grit inside this shift to integrity. So we're witnessing collectively the shadows that have permeated our consciousness on this planet for thousands of years and that we are collectively and have already collectively decided do not serve us. And we're not going forward with these paradigms. We're releasing them. And the only way to release anything is to witness it with love. So here we are witnessing with love, a lot of suffering. And so most of the people on the planet, when you look out on social media, even for example, you can, you can tell who's witnessing with love and who's witnessing with judgment. And that's the key as to where somebody is on their spiritual journey and whether they're a teacher or whether they're a student or whether they're on the path to becoming a better teacher and they just need a little support. So you can see the range of where people are and that will give you an idea of soul age and, and their ability you know, in your own ability to, on your own soul path to process so, what's happening. You use in, in, in your book and teachings, and a lot of other people do too, the, the term of, of an old soul. Yeah. So is, is just, is, is an old soul someone that's got the experience to be aligned with, with love as opposed to judgment? Is that part of it? It's being able to be aligned with life, which is a frequency of love for sure. And it's, but it's being able to, Harness the energies in a beneficial direction um, is the older soul you are, the more interested you are in creating magic and beauty, which is an alignment and harmony with the universe. And uh, the more that you're beginning this process, the more you want to differentiate and sort of express yourself and, you know, create some friction on this planet. We've got that opportunity, right? It's, it's an interesting experience and, and there's nothing wrong with any of it. I want to say that like everyone's at where they're at on the journey, but you can clearly see that um, a soul that's new on this planet might engage in um, murder because it's a new experience and haven't had it yet. Right. And so don't know what that feels like. 
So then engage in murder and then have the repercussions of that experience and feel that experience. And, and then the, and then the lifetimes that that ripples out to and, and all the people that it ripples out to the, the, the ripple effect of that choice, you know, being felt and then analyzed, you know, from a soul level perspective. And then, you know, because after we leave the physical plane, we're, we're, you know, we're doing a soul curriculum review. Like what did we learn? So you can kind of see how, an older soul already had that experience. So it doesn't need to repeat it. So it's just, you know, it's a process. So you, you mentioned your guide, white Eagle. And I see in your face sometimes that you're kind of, re- are you receiving things? Yeah. In, in this mode now? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So- can you feel it? I mean, it's like, it's a lot of light that comes in and I, you know, it gets me kind of high and then I'm not really thinking. I'm just sort of like letting this energy speak yeah. through me. Now, is, is this something, so channeling White Eagle, is this something that just happened one day? Is this something you had to like work up to and took, took practice or how was that experience? It's been a process. I talk about it in the book, but um, at one point I received an energy uh, through the back of my skull um, where my skull meets my neck, which is a place called the mouth of God. And I received that energy because I'd been visiting with, um, I'd been at the, uh, Cherokee replica village in the Smoky Mountains looking for my ancestry and wanted to be connected. And I was very sad and I was crying and I just felt like this longing, like this deep, like grief that I needed to connect with this aspect of my ancestry. And I didn't know how, because in, in my genealogy, um, we kind of, my ancestor just passed for white. So we dropped that part, you know, it got covered up, it got whitewashed, so to speak. So I was looking for that connection. And what happened was um, I got, I was asking around for a shaman, you know, I was like, is there like a Cherokee medicine man or a shaman or somebody that can help me? Cause I, I feel this desperate need and I don't know how to get connected to it. I finally got led to somebody that was working one of the exhibit booths and he said, okay, I'll talk to you, you know, in the parking lot after my shift. Cause he could see how I was crying and I was just a mess. I was a hot mess. And he said, okay, I'll help you white lady. I know he didn't say that. But so I'm heading out to the parking lot and, and on the way out, I felt this, like someone had flung a softball of energy through the back of my head. Now, whether he did it or whether this energy just found me because it was the right timing, I don't know. But what I'll say is that that moment, I felt like I was being expanded from the inside out. Like it was just like this growth of this ball of light inside of me that just I, I was seeing the trees breathe, like I, I had to sit down. I was very dizzy and disoriented. And this, like, seeing the trees breathe thing, like, went on for, like, a week or two. You know, like, it was just profound, um, the way that I was perceiving in new ways. And then that began this healing journey with this aspect of self, which was a medicine, a Cherokee medicine man on the Trail of Tears that was escorting his people you know, um, through the winter and people were dying and he was grieving and he was lost and, and feeling responsible for being a peace chief and recommending peace. And he was feeling responsible for the death of all of his people. So it was a lot of grief and a lot of burden. And it, it took me a good six years to reconcile and heal that aspect of myself um, through a lot of intensive deep dive work with a lot of different healers and coaches and, and on my medicine path. So so that, you know, that experience has been very profound and that's the experience really. There's been so many other signposts and markers of his um, presence in my life. 
and I knew all the pieces. You know how you know the pieces, but then you lose the pieces because you're just like, it comes up and you're like, wow, it's really profound. I'll never forget that. And then if you don't write it down, it goes under the surface or like you write it down in the journal and you never look at it again. And so then you forget, but then like later on you get reminded. That's what kind of my journey with white Eagle. And right before I published this book, I had been, I had been channeling the book, but I didn't know who I was channeling it from. So I just was like, Oh, it's great spirit, you know? And you know, that's who I'm channeling it from. So like the week before I was supposed to publish the book, I went in to a a deep meditation dive in a, in a plant ceremony with some plant medicine and in that journey, I came face to face with White Eagle, literally in my, like sitting up face to face with White Eagle. And he's like, okay, now let me connect all the dots for you because you clearly forgot some things. <laughs> <laughs> and like dot, 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 dot. This went on for hours. It felt like just all the connections. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. That was really real. Oh, forgot about that. Oh, okay. That was important. Okay, So like all of these things. And and he said, okay, now you should probably put my name on the cover because some people actually know who I am and nobody knows who you are. So change your name, you know, or just put that on the cover, you know, that you're channeling from me. So that's what I did. <laughs> and, and does White Eagle show up just when it's time to write things down for the masses or do you have personal experiences as well? I have personal experiences. With White, e- White Eagle shows up. That's why I love doing these interviews, actually, Andy. Because I feel such a harmony. White Eagle always shows up for these interviews. And so it's like my secret way of making sure I get time with White Eagle. (laughs) (laughs) Because he shows up every single time for these interviews. And if I do teach anything or I do a workshop or I do healings or anything like that, it's like White Eagle's right there. And it gets me high and I feel really good. Like, I'm so happy right now. I feel great. I'm blissed out because like totally White Eagle's right inside of me right now. And it feels really good. And I love it. Um... And so this part, this is my happy spot, actually, like as long as we can talk, it's great. But really like outside of this kind of space, it's, it's harder for me to access it actually. Cause he only, you know, it's, it's like, here's why. And I've asked, cause I've asked him about it. I'm like, how come you don't show up all the time? It's cause I'm having a unique personal experience. There is a beauty in having an experience as simply the human being as Carrie Hummingbird, there's a beauty and a divinity in having that experience. And White Eagle no way wants to rob me of that experience by always being present. Right. So it's a dance. It's like when it's pertinent and when it's important, White Eagle shows up and is totally present with me. And when not, then it's time for me to be with me. It's time for Carrie to be with Carrie. And, and so that's really how it works. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. Um, Anytime that's anyone that can connect with a guide and ascended master, whatever it, it feels like they're connecting. If, if that entity just moved in forever, well, now you're not you. And they kind of, yeah, you know, they, yeah it just, yeah, I get it. It doesn't, I get that they're the, and, and, and I'm sure he's up to more things than only talking to you. He is up to more things. And actually there's more guides that want to work with me. So I need to create space for that. So last night it was actually a big discussion around that because I'm for the last year, since that book published the the second wave, I was tapped on the shoulder by white Buffalo calf woman to write the next book. <laughs> but I love white Eagle so much. It's been hard for me to let go and, and really invite in white Buffalo calf women. And, but this work is also very different and it's, it's worked with me in a different way that, oh, here she comes. So she's, I can feel it now. So it feels really different to me and it feels very vulnerable and it feels fragile because of my own wounding um, with my mother wound to work with the divine feminine 
And so that energy feels really different to me and it feels very vulnerable and tender. And so it's been a long trusting process working with her over the last year in private and with groups to be able to finish this book that she wants me to write and mm -hmm. to invite it in and be able to channel it cleanly and clearly. And so only like last night did I finally say, okay, surrender my vessel. Like you can, you can teach through me. I welcome you. I love you. I trust you. You're welcome in my being. However you want to show up to share your message. I welcome you in. So Do you feel that difference? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's really it's, different yeah, energy from you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Your your entire being it just shifted. Is different. Yeah. <laughs> so so you're able to uh, to you're you've been gifted, able whatever whatever it is to tune into aspects of divine masculinity and divine femininity. Is is, is any part of that kind of the message that everyone needs to hear? Like, are we supposed to be using both? Are people just too much one or the other or think you can't be, you know, a, a, a mingling of that? Yeah, and what I'm really feeling right now from my heart is that a lot of this has to do um, with a choice that was made several thousand years ago on this planet to explore the divine masculine and all of the polarities of that energy and what's happened is that if we have become very imbalanced because the masculine moves through the mind and there's nothing wrong with the masculine moving through the mind, but it's a different experience to move from the heart. And so now we're shifting into uh, the age of Aquarius where we'll be able to move much more through the heart. We'll be learning about moving through the heart from divine feminine energies and teachers. And so we need to be able to trust that this is a new movement, a new classroom emerging on earth, and it's going to teach us many, many, many things, but we have to be able to access our hearts in order to move into this new space. So this is why um, in my journey, the way it's manifesting for me is, um, you know, these sort of uh, entities, right? These ascended masters in my consciousness, that's a, that's something that I, feels comfortable for me. So it's coming through that way. I don't know if it'll come that, through that way for everybody. I think everyone will have their own experience of the energies, but there's an energy to it. There's a very different energy of the divine feminine than there is of the divine masculine. And they're both beautiful and they're both pertinent. But what we're doing now is we're moving into opening from the heart. And the heart wisdom has a lot more to do with what we've been talking about today. So, uh, and all the journey that I've been on as Carrie Hummingbird has been um, opening up to this other aspect, this heart aspect um, of connection through all the cells of my body. It's an embodiment teaching. It's about being fully present and it's about being in your heart and also being in your senses and your feeling. And it's about the energy healing we've been discussing. And it's about connection with all that is. It's understanding there's plant wisdom. It's understanding there's, there's wisdom in the mountains. There's mountain spirits. There's unseen forces. There's, there's just so much complexity to the divine feminine. The divine feminine is about complexity. It's about it's about the unfolding. It's about the um, the nuances. It's about the um, the multiplicities, the all the varieties, the diversity, and and to understand that we're all part of this beautiful 
like rainbow light spectrum of diversity of experience and, and gifts and knowing, and we can play together and harmonize together in that space without having to control anything. So the divine masculine is much more about control and containers and boundaries. And, and this energy that's coming in is much more fluid. It's, it moves it. And in order to move with it, you've got to come into your heart. The only way to move it with this energy is to be coming from your heart where you're guided because in trust coming from your heart and trust. So what's the key issue? What's the key core wound that keeps people from trusting the divine feminine is the mother wound. So when we made the choice to um, explore the divine masculine thousands of years ago, what happened was that we, um, you know, we had many fables and many um, different traditions that downplayed the feminine or that shamed the feminine or that, you know, projected negativity onto the feminine or, or, you know, dismiss the feminine, right? So shut off the heart and, and not feel things and denial and all of these things have been part of that divine masculine journey too, so that we could really appreciate what it's like to live from the mind. But now that we're coming into the, to this divine feminine experience, we need to open all that back up again. We need to heal those core wounds. So this is why you're seeing the rise of the Me, the Me Too movement and, and femininity. And then this is also why men are feeling like, hey, I need some of that too. Like, I don't want to be stuck in my mind anymore. I don't want to be to blame for everything anymore. I don't want to have to control everything anymore, provide for everything anymore. I don't want all that responsibility. So, you know, I'm seeing um, my son with his long hair and his long nails, and he's defying all of the, um, the sort of um, stereotypes that men are supposed to be, right? It's like, no, um, take care of me. I want to be held. I want to be loved. I want to be supported. I want you to see me and my vulnerability. I want you to, to hold me when I'm crying. I want to be able to cry. I want to be able to feel. I don't want to have to be strong for you anymore. I want to be fluid. I want to feel my feelings. So this is a big time of shift. And in order to fully move into this, we've got to release the past. So we're seeing a big purge. Everything we're seeing this year is a purge. Yeah. So I'm happily seeing more and more <sighs> men every day talk about wanting to get more in their heart and be willing to feel. And, and the whole point of, of why well, I was guided to, to make this show. But I'm seeing the opposite side get louder a every day, multiple times a day. I'll, I'll see on social media or I'll get an email from a man that is just – angry and and scared i read scared to me that people believing masculinity is under attack and men can't be men and everything and, and feeling that victim energy and and so is that really people that are afraid to feel or haven't dealt with a mother wound or you know just a multitude of other symptoms is that is that what's going on it's very possible and every situation is unique so this would be a vast generalization but there's a possibility that in a person's life, for example, I'll take my own son. So um, when I, uh, in my own consciousness as a woman, I felt like a victim. I felt helpless. I felt like I needed to be taken care of. And this is a message that many women have been given over the last thousands of years that we, you know, somehow we need to be taken care of by a man, you know, and that the ultimate goal is to get a man. And this masculine presence is what makes everything okay for you. And so I certainly have experienced that in my life. And as I became a mother, I started realizing that there was something really deep and powerful within me that was at odds with this control structure. 
and that I had different wisdom to share, but I couldn't back it up with studies and, and mind content. I just knew it from my heart. I just knew it from my womb. I knew something different, but I also didn't trust myself because of all of this mind conditioning and the paradigm we've been living in from the masculine mind, I didn't know how to trust myself from my heart. So what ended up happening was that um, I went through all the psychotherapy, right? Because it must be broken. There's something wrong with me. So now my son is picking up that I feel that there's something wrong with me. And he's picking up that he's watching the dynamic of the masculine you know, controlling or, or saying you're nuts or you're crazy or you don't know what you're talking about, dismissing, dismissing the feminine knowledge. He's seeing that and he's feeling that. And because he feels aligned with me, he's feeling angry about it. So now it's hard for him to embrace his masculinity. Now, my other son aligned more with his dad. So now he's feeling challenged by my power because he sees my power challenges his father. And then in fact, we split up. So now there's all this psychological content roaming around. You can see how complex it is. So one son feels he needs to defend his mother from masculine control that's critical and, and cruel in some ways. And so he can't embrace his own masculinity. And the other son feels like his father has been wounded by, you know, this wild, uncontrollable, wild feminine. And so he can't embrace his mother because he feels for his father. So there's a lot in here to unpack. And so this is going to be a time of unpacking a lot of very challenging content. And then there are some themes. I believe that's a theme that runs through it. And so, you know, each person could look for that theme in their own life and see, is that a theme for me? Does that live within me? And that's a starting place. But there would be a lot of com complex nuances in the conversation. You know, and their alcoholism definitely feeds into this because alcoholism and any kind of addiction is something to feel is to fill that hole of void of not having the love of who the love of your mother, the love of your father, but the love of your mother, because your mother is the one that birthed you. You were in your mother's body cooking and stewing in her web of reality for 10 months before you came out. That's a powerful experience. You're forever tied to your mother. So depending on your relationship with your mother and, and how you reacted with her is going to tell a lot about your relationship with the feminine and about your relationship with the masculine. Because what was her relationship with the masculine? So this is why it's healing the mother wound. Because we're all birthed inside a mother for 10 months. We're birthed inside the mother's web for 10 months. It's powerful. So for the second wave to take hold, for the age of Aquarius, for what's written in the stars to truly be manifested on Earth, is it really up to every angry person? I don't even just say just men. Every angry person that doesn't want to change, that doesn't want to explore their wounds, that doesn't want to grow, is, is that what we're all up against? Or will, will every human get to the point that they can't take that anymore and they open up with curiosity and, and a willingness to, to, to experience something else? Well, your journey is speaking to it, right? Yeah, but I want it, I want it done. <laughs> <laughs> it you, said, it, you said it's urgent. <laughs> it is. And so the urgency was to be here now and to have the consciousness. So the urgency is not to fix anything. The urgency is to be willing and to be curious and open. Because we already are here now. So we're at the year. We're here. So look, it happened to us. We both had the experience of, of life 
making us open up to experience a different viewpoint of life, to have different experiences. So is it is kind of the tipping point for everybody when the majority of human beings have been willing, have they hit their own rock bottom and have willing to like, there's got to be a better way? Yes. And let's, let's just encourage, I'll just put a little encouragement out there because there's two ways to learn. And we all know this. There's the easy way and the hard way. We just got given the easy way. It didn't feel easy, but this was Mother Earth's way of giving us an easy path to having just enough encouragement to face our shadows and to dive into the spiritual journey because this indeed is the spiritual journey. We are moving out of the mind and into the heart and we are moving into the spiritual journey now. There's no avoiding that. And if you try to avoid it, you'll have the hard way. So we just got the easy way. I want to reinforce that. Two and a half months of the easy way. Didn't feel very easy, and some people are still in it, and they would say, that's easy? Yes, that's the easy path. So if you don't want the hard path, it's better to learn from the easy path and start the journey. However you want to start it, it can start with a simple declaration. I am willing to open to my soul and learn. I am willing to let go of all I think I am and discover who I really am. Lead me to the next step. <laughs> yeah. Letting go is, I think, when looking back, is the biggest part. And it can be the scariest part. Like, even, even when, when my identity was, oh, I'm suicidal and depressed, and I didn't think that was something I dealt with. I thought that's what I was. So to be willing to go beyond that was, was terrifying, even though I didn't like being that. And so is that... Is that why the even the easy way gets resisted? Because when you're in it, you don't well for you don't know it's the easy way. But is it just being resistant to any change, resistant to you know any mirror being being forcing you to kind of look at yourself? Yeah, well, it's the, your ego has your you know you buy the tail, <laughs> and it you know I want to say it's not there's a lot of ego shaming and blaming that goes on, and I, I'm not congruent with that because the egoic consciousness is is there to protect you. It's an autopilot system. It's an autopilot system to make sure you don't blow yourself up by accident, right? So the only reason, the only way that that autopilot system is going to release itself is by trusting you to manually operate it with love. So the way that it trusts that you're going to manually operate it with love is by your dedication and your practice and your devotion to yourself. That's why it's the spiritual path. It's not about going to a weekend workshop. It's not about getting one energy healing. It's about dedicating yourself to the rest of your life and the rest of your lives to come to discover yourself from a new angle of your higher consciousness, of your divinity embodied, of your love, of your heart. That's the invitation. Does the human experience exist so that we take the spiritual journey? <laughs> the human experience exists because we are experiencing ourselves all the time through new discoveries. Because we have the capacity to create anything together that we want. This entire world is a fabrication. It's an agreement. It's a co-creation on an epic scale. We're all co-creating this together. We all agreed that there would be computers and 
microphones at this point in time. We all agreed that there would be trees and that there would be mountains. We all agreed that there would be a coronavirus to wake us all up. We all agreed at all of this. And so the surrender is the journey to the experience that's already been agreed upon. And it continues to evolve with our conscious participation. So the conscious participation part is just about seeing it from a new angle, like we talked about at the beginning. So when you're embodied, knowing your divinity inside your body, all kinds of things can be happening around you and you could be witnessing them from a place of curiosity and wonder rather than a place of fear. So that's the invitation. It's not that all this, you know, it's not that you're never going to have any more challenges in your life or anything like that, because why would you want to have a life without challenges? Why would you want to come here and, and be in a body with like nothing to learn, nothing to explore, nothing to discover? So some of these things, it's about realizing the perfection in the imperfections. Like the path that you walked, Andy, the path that you walked with butting your head up against that wall and trying to die and not being able to die and just like, dang, why can't I die? You know, <laughs> figure this out. That's a perfection in itself because it led you to a place of such tremendous joy that just radiates out of you and knowing now the beauty of this life experience. Look how much joy you can feel and, and ongoing excitement because of that realization. That was hard won. So everyone's going to win their hard-won battle of realization that it's easier than they thought. Unless they resist the easy way, then it gets harder than they thought. Yeah, and collectively we are, we are in a process of opening now, right? Which is why it's helpful to have beings on the planet who have already been through this rodeo in other places, you know, in terms of surrendering to higher self who are able to open their pineal gland, who are able to open their chakras, who are able to trust, who are able to be present. This is all important now because it changes the energy of the field that enables more people who are more resistant, maybe haven't been down this road. It gives them access to this field of consciousness. So the more of us that are capable of accessing a deeper place, uh, the more that field grows and strengthens and it gives access to more people to have access to that depth for themselves, which is hard to access from um, less experienced states of consciousness. Let's just say that. Cool. <sighs> yeah, we talked about it when I was on Soul Nectar with you and you're hitting it here too, um, you know, I remember when I realized that, oh, the coronavirus is the opportunity for everything to shift and to, to let go of the things that aren't working. And I was like, wow, what a nice, surprisingly gentle way. Um, but only if we let it do its job. <laughs> um, only if we let it do its job. It gave us an opportunity to slow down for, and some people are still in it, mm -hmm. to slow down and ask the questions, the big questions. You know, is this life serving me? Am I happy? You know, it gave, it gave space and peace. And, you know, it also is a construct that reveals many things, okay? So we talked about this before with the masks and all of this. It gives us a chance to see how um, the human brain is architected to create groupings and division and, um, 
and then how the human brain and body responds to fear to create conflict and discord and how quickly it can all happen. I mean, just the conversation around the masks is a good example. So two and a half months ago, we did not have in our cultural lexicon anything about a mask. But now we've got a cultural lexicon around the mask with two interpretations, almost like the Republicans and the Democrats. Like it's so fierce, this contest between what it means. Half the people saying the mask means you're a sheep if you wear a mask and you're being controlled and you're being, you know, you're just, you're just walking to your death. And then the other half says, oh, no, the mask means that I care about other people and I want to protect them. But the mask is not any meaning. The mask is just a mask until you give it a meaning. And then you have a meaning that you feel passionate about. And then that gets reaffirmed by other people. And then you start to group according to people that believe the way you believe, which is confirmation bias. And now you use that mask as a way to shame and blame other people from both sides. So this is a demonstration of the human psychology. It's a very useful tool to see how the brain works and to see how people work in collaboration using the brain. It's, there's, it's a perfect tool to demonstrate. And the mask means nothing. It's just a mask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I've... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm really dreamy with this energy, by the way. Like this whole. I know you are. I feel like we can keep Buffalo going for hours and hours. We can keep energy just going. is like this is the first time I've channeled her. Actually, it's really awesome. Yeah. Okay, I really I dig it. I you can come back. <laughs> <laughs> so that next book is going to be coming pretty quick. <laughs> I think it will now that I'm accepting it. Yeah. Yes, it's taken a little while to get to this place where I could hear her because she's much more quiet. The divine feminine is much more quiet than the masculine. Yes, is that kind of why Mental. chaos has to ensue before yeah. people would like listen better? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I think so. The feminine energy has a lot of range of expression. But what I found with channeling is that only now am I able to re- like I actually really feel her. I really I hear that it's very clear. I'm surrendered to it. It's very peaceful and loving and gentle. And it's and it's um beautiful and this is not something i could have done even like a month ago yeah i mean that's and i didn't used to think it was a cool thing but i'm glad now there's, there's always more it, we, we can go deeper yeah. we can have more experiences i'm used to i was like you know we mentioned earlier like i went to that week-long seminar <laughs> why isn't everything perfect well why why am i still feeling like crap but yeah she just popped out so that's amazing wow i feel really high right now like in a whole <laughs> different way so different than the high of, of yeah. having her energy. Hmm. Yeah. Like it's, it's so interesting. It's so interesting to me. This channeling thing is so interesting. Yeah. So, they have very different energies. So did channeling, is that something that just happened to you once or? It started happening. It started happening to me in healing sessions. Like okay. I was practicing being a healer and um, doing healing sessions um, through my training with the four winds light body school and um, as, I was pr- as I was practicing doing the healings, there's a certain amount of surrender because um, I became aware that it's important to be a hollow bone during healings and not like project things on your client, right? And not get too involved in the story or like place yourself in it. 
and I also realized that a lot of times the person that would get sent to me as a, as a client would be working on something that I also needed to hear. And so there was a mutuality to it. And um, over the times that I've done these healings, I've just gotten better and better and better because I've done hundreds, maybe even a thousand healings. I don't even know how many healings I've done. I've lost track. So I've done a lot of healing sessions with people. And every healing session that I, that as a healer you do with somebody, it, it should be evolving you as well, right? Like decrusting you of your human stuff. So that's when really like at a certain point, it shifted over from feeling like anybody needed to be fixed into a space now as a healer where I realized people are perfect just the way they are. And all I'm doing is helping them decrust something from their being that they're ready to let go of. You know, that's pretty much it. And then getting some realizations, which are always really cool to have. So um, ever since that process, then this channeling thing started to happen. Like people started telling me they saw an Indian man inside of me when they looked up at the, from the table at me. Hmm. And then he would show up in when I do drum journeys and I would see him or he would take the, he would say, let me have the drumstick. I was like, okay, you can have the drumstick. So he's been working with me for a while to relax me and like, okay, it's okay. You can trust me. And, um, and now it's taken me a while to work with white Buffalo calf women as well. Cool. Yeah. I, I knew this conversation <laughs> would be pretty, uh, boundaryless and I, I, think um, we I didn't realize that. how, <laughs> yeah, but yes, yeah, powerful. I hope everyone's still with us out there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if, 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 uh, you know, if we've talked about things that just went kind of over your head and you're still with us, like, like great, because there's nothing that I do that I didn't have to hear about multiple times before I was finally willing to, to explore it. Um, but, and if you're listening all this time and you think we're just talking about like kindergarten level stuff on your journey, that's great too. Yeah, it's right? cool too. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. It's all I, welcome. Yeah. It, it, every experience helps us like we're and when when one of us when one soul grows through experience everyone grows right because mm -hmm. we, we truly are connected at, 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 in multiple ways so uh yeah good bad or indifferent keep having new experiences and eventually please decide to keep doing the experiences that feel good that reward you some way that have you being of service to others and you discover that that feels good right whatever it might be but um enjoy that, the journey nonetheless oh yeah yeah and that, did you enjoy your journey for your early years? Hmm, pieces of it. Yeah. Okay. Pieces of it. You know, like it wasn't all bad. And even yeah. my marriage, it wasn't all bad. It was, you know, we had beautiful moments to share and we traveled a lot together. We had a lot of fun. So there was a lot of joy in that relationship. There's just that there was also a lot of the other, you know, the, it's like the crunchy, like we're like we're in right now. Like there's been, I'm sure people have had lots of pleasure experiences and then 2020 hit and like <laughs> it was tough it's it's tough so far but it, it can it can shift yeah, yeah there's again there, there's always more and there's a big point in my life that i thought that was what a horrible thing to say but yeah there's more if you don't like today hey there's more coming tomorrow keep and going it's, it's part it of the puzzle if you won't yeah. ever find out what that puzzle piece was for unless you get past it through it to the other side and keep going to the place where you reach what I'm talking about, like this, this state of samadhi or this state of like realization of your divinity. And when you get there, that's the gold. Cause then you can look back on all the other stuff that happened and reclaim it from joy. So don't give up until you get to that spot. Yeah. Keep going. Don't quit until you get there. Cause that's the goal. Like you wouldn't want to have done all this hard work only to lose it and not get the glory of it. Like don't give up before you get the glory. 
Cool. So, Carrie, what's the best way for people to learn more about you and discover your books? Well, um, my website is carriehummingbird.com. That's K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com. And um, my books are linked from there, The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama, and Awakening to Me, One Woman's Journey to Self-Love. Those are both available at um, amazon.com and linkable from my website. And if you want to just chat for a few minutes, there's a link to book a 15-minute chat or a discovery call if you feel more invested. And I have a free game for everybody. I love games. Do you like games, Andy? Yeah. They're so fun. So this game is called the Love Mastery Game. And it's an oracle game, but it doesn't tell you what's going to happen because that would spoil things. It's just there to help you figure out, like, why is the thing happening? Like, what is going on? Why is this thing happening for me? And it does so in a way that helps you understand, like, the love principles that we're all learning here on Earth School and the principles of mastery, like the being states, like being peaceful, for example. That's a being state. Like, those being states might be what you're learning through this challenge that you're having. And it also teaches you about earth allies because we, like I said, we're moving into, or actually like I channeled, we're moving into a space where um, we're going to learn a lot more about the allies we have on earth in terms of the rocks and the minerals and the plants and the animals that they each have something to teach us. So this game is a starting point for that discovery. And so for people who haven't like found their spirit animal or things like that. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, we'll have links to everything, everything that Carrie is up to at realmenfield.org uh, in the blog, the show notes for this episode. Uh, we'll get you to connect you with her podcast or books, everything you can dig deeper and, uh, and see if your journey aligns with her journey and your journey. together. <laughs> right? Cool. And uh, wherever you're listening to Real Men Feel, I welcome and invite you to be an ally of Real Men Feel. And you do that by subscribing, giving a review, a rating, sharing this with somebody else. And, uh, through all of this and beyond, be good to yourselves. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Contact us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. <laughs>